0: Good morning, everybody. Wow, praise the Lord. Today's a good day. Today's a good day to be in the house of the Lord, amen? Amen. Let's just start by lifting him up. Father, thank you. I mean, I want everybody to just lift up the Lord this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you for this morning. Glory to God. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your infallible word. Thank you that you are consistent. Thank you that according to 1 Peter 5, 7, we cast all our cares on you because you care for us watchfully and you care for us affectionately. Father, thank you. Thank you for sending your Son. Thank you for giving us the Holy Ghost. Thank you for an amazing church where we can gather and assemble together and hear the Word and be built up in faith. For faith comes by hearing, we're so glad we have the privilege of coming and hearing the Word of God. We're so glad to have the privilege that you would send gifts to the body, to bring messages specifically for the body. I thank you for these people that are in this room right now, that you have a message specifically for them. I thank you that your word it, give us, it gives light and it gives understanding, that your words are spirit and they are life. Thank you, Lord that we attend to your words, we keep our attention on your words, we incline our ear into your sayings, we don't let them depart from our eyes, we keep them in the midst of our heart for they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the anointing, the power of your word, Lord, for the spirit of God that dwells inside of us thank you lord we love you and we bless you this morning we lift you up we magnify you king of kings lord of lords god there is no other god like you your word says there are other gods that but they do not hear they have ears but do not hear they have eyes but do not see but thank you lord that your eyes are on the righteous and your ear is open to their prayer thank you lord that you see us thank you that you hear us oh god we love you We're so grateful. We come with grateful hearts this morning. We're so thankful. We don't come, this is just another day. It's just another service. No. Oh, we're so glad. Bless the Lord. Let our soul magnify God. We were glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. We lift you up. We don't get tired of praising you. We don't get tired of worshiping you. We don't get tired of lifting your voice up. We don't come and say, oh, we're too tired to bless the Lord. No, the word says I will bless the Lord. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Glory to God. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we praise you. We magnify and honor you this morning. Thank you for this message in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Oh, he's good. Any he good? He's good. So, as you see from the graphic, this month I'm gonna be teaching on the seed of the word. Powerful, powerful stuff. Now, today I'm gonna to start with emphasizing and putting emphasis on the word. So I know y'all, I know y'all, I know this church, I know what's taught here, I know you know what you guys have heard and what you know. And so I know that this is a word church. I know that you guys aren't unfamiliar with the word. You can't be if you're coming here. You hear it every Sunday, hopefully every Wednesday. If you come every Wednesday. And the thing is, the body of Christ needs to put as much emphasis on the word as we do the spirit. Our foundation of our faith is the word. Now, I want you to be open this morning to hearing this word, hearing this message, and not have in your mind, I've heard this before, or I know this word Pastor Dale has said that scripture before. I want you to have an open heart this morning saying, actually say this after me. Say, I receive revelation of the word today more than I have before. I'm not leaving the same way I came. In Jesus' name, amen. So the word word of God, like like if you were here on Friday, uh, Annie Durant was saying, That it's not that you're trying to accumulate faith like it's a currency. And if I can get this much faith, then I can get God to move. That's wrong thinking. But when faith is built in your heart, when you hear the word, it opens up your heart more to receive what God has already done through his word. Amen? And so I really want to put a whole lot more emphasis on the word today than ever before. I'll tell you this. For me personally, in my personal life, I have heard I, I, know, I knew that everything has to be based off this word. If the Holy Ghost talks to you, it's going to be based off the word. It's going to be what he always, the Holy Ghost always agrees with Jesus and Jesus is the word. We hear this and we know this. But there's, a, there's this one minister. I'll use healing for example. There's this one minister. Let me not. Let me go to the actual quote because I don't want to misquote him. I'm not sure what minister it is. I just know a minister said it. This minister said, Many make the mistake of substituting their belief in divine healing for the actual taking of God's medicine. So you can say, well, I believe in the word. I believe in divine healing. I I got that. I know that. But that does not substitute you actually taking the medicine. It doesn't substitute you actually digging in this word and and reading it again and reading it again and reading it again and quoting it again, because this is life. Yeah. Kenneth Hagin once said that if someone went to the doctor and uh, the doctor gave them, you know, penicillin or whatever it is, antibiotics, something, and then a year later, let's say they go back to the doctor and they had something again, and the doctor says, well, I'm going to prescribe you penicillin or, or whatever antibiotics, and say, oh, well, I took that last year. I already had that. I did, I, I did that last year. I took that already. Take it again, is what that that doctor is saying. Obviously, we believe in divine healing, but that's just an example. And so the word of God, you have to continually feed. The Bible says feed on his faithfulness, to feed on his faithfulness. Another quote by Kenneth Hagin is that you can't live off a cold snack. You must continually feed on the word of God. And so I want to put a whole lot of emphasis this morning on the word we're going to be talking about the emphasis of the word, and then we're going to get into what the, how the word works, which is the seed of the word. We're going to get into that. So when you hear the word of God, I want you to really think, I mean, put your imagination on, I am hearing God speak. I'm hearing God speak to me. Amen. That's powerful. If you just sit there and thought about that, that's powerful. The word of God is God speaking directly to you. It's his love letter to you. Right. And so Jesus, we know that Jesus was the word made flesh. We've heard it. We know it. We know it. We know it. We know that. We heard that. When you die, when you decide I'm going to get an even greater grip on this word, I'm going to get an even deeper revelation on that word, then the word will open up to you and start revealing things. Mysteries will be made known unto you. Whereas if you would have thought, well, I've heard that, then you cap yourself off. But the word, you can go from glory to glory in the word. You can go from one revelation to another. Have you ever, I know you've read a scripture and it meant something to you. And then a couple years later, a month later, whatever it is, you read that scripture and it means something totally different to you. It works for you in that situation, in that circumstance, in that point in your life. Because his words are spirit in their life. It's not ink on paper. It's spirit in life. He, the Holy Ghost is our helper. He helps us, and he helps us to understand the word. The Holy Ghost brings revelation upon this word. Dr. Mary Fran said a long time ago, I have, a, uh, I have an audio from her a long time ago. It sounds so sweet. She sounds like such a southern belle. It was like from a She still sounds like a southern belle. But it, <laughs> It's a great audio. It's, uh, it's the audio, I believe it's entitled The Holy Ghost. Something The Holy Ghost. Sorry, I forgot what it's called. The Holy Ghost something. <laughs> and it says, uh, and she says that, it, it was so powerful when she said this, the Holy Ghost will always agree with Jesus and, G- and point to Jesus, and Jesus will always point to the Father. If you look at the word, Jesus was constantly pointing to the Father. If you look to the Holy Ghost, he will constantly point you back to the word. Yeah. Constantly pointing back to Jesus, who is the word. And so there's a minister by the name of Nancy Dufresne. I was listening to her the other day, and she was talking about a pantry. So you know your pantry, stocked with food and such. Well, a chef who's a good chef, they can make do with less ingredients, right? If you're a good chef, you can still do, make something good out of few ingredients. But if you have a stockpile, you got your, your pantry is just full of all kinds of food and seasonings and all these things, then you're going to be able to have even greater. Your food will be so much more magnificent. It'll taste better. It'll be so much better, right? Well, the Holy Ghost can use whatever word you've put inside of you. The Holy Ghost is that master chef. He'll come in and take that word that you've been putting on the inside of you, and he'll make something awesome. He'll make something wonderful. He'll give you revelation on it. But the more word that you put inside of you, the more he's able to work with. Yeah. The Holy Ghost points back to the word. He always points back to the word. And so if you have more word in you, there's more that he can reveal to you, right? As you pray in the Holy Ghost, he will reveal to you the word that you've been meditating on. Amen? Amen. So if you go, Lord, I want more revelation of the word. He's going to be like, well, read more of the word, right? Right? Get more into the word. And so our emphasis is on the word this morning. He is the word. Jesus is the word. Let's think on that for a second. Jesus is the word. Psalm 107 verse 20 says he sent his word and healed them. He sent his word and that's what healed. The word of God right here is the healer. This word heals you. That's a two-fold scripture. He sent his word, Jesus. And if you would picture the same way Jesus will come and lay hands on someone, picture the word is the exact same. John chapter 5, it says that there is a nobleman in John chapter 5. This nobleman came to Jesus and said, Jesus, my son is dying. Please come to my house. And Jesus said, You guys want signs and and wonders. And without signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. You won't believe unless I physically come to your house. And then the man, I guess not getting what Jesus had just said, repeats himself and says, Jesus, my son, but my son's dying. No, you don't understand. What are you talking about? My son's dying. I need you to come and heal him. And then Jesus says, your son liveth. Go your way. Your son liveth. And then the next verse says, he believed the words that Jesus spake and he went his way. Then you find out as he's heading back to his house, a servant meets him partway and tells him, your son lives. And then he inquires what hour did he begin to amend? What hour did he begin to amend? That's in the KJV. That means that this miracle, this healing miracle, there's a couple things we're going to point out here. One This healing miracle was a gradual healing. This healing miracle, it says he began to amend from that hour. And so, one, this is actually the first healing miracle that Jesus ever performed is John chapter 5. I mean, the the first healing miracle, the second miracle he ever did. Second miracle because the first one is Canaan at Galilee. But the second miracle he ever performed was a healing miracle, so this is the first healing miracle he performed. And it's a gradual healing. I'll tell you this. I used to think, personally... (laughs) I used to think that it's so much better instant healing if you have faith than instant healing. And, oh, according to your faith, if you don't have as much faith, then it'll be a gradual healing. That's how I used to think, and it's wrong thinking. The Bible calls that healing a miracle. It is just as much a miracle as an instantaneous healing. I'll actually tell you oftentimes, if you get this book, by the way, E.W. Kenyon, Jesus the Healer, you, you want this book. I'll just leave it at that. Pastor and I both agree that this is like the best book outside of the Bible thus far that I've read. I've read it over. And the thing is, he talks about in there, which that's not what we're going to get into a whole lot today, but I do want to touch on it, that he gets into the Word being the healer. The Word being the healer is is God's preferred method for you as a believer. Taking your rights and privileges in Christ is the preferred method. There are other methods of healing. There's laying on of hands. There's praying. There's anointing with oil. uh, Elders praying for you in, in in the book of James. But he wants you ultimately to be able to have that word inside of you that you're constantly living in health and not always needing another miracle and another miracle. He wants you constantly living in health. That's his... He bought it for you in the redemption, right? And so... John chapter 5, I want you to think about the fact that Jesus could have physically went to the nobleman's house. He could have. And he did a bunch of other times. He's gone to people's houses. He went and laid hands on sick. He, you know, he's raised, raised up the, the sick daughter. He went to their house. You know, he very well could have went and laid hands on him. But he also decided, I'm just going to give him the word. And if he believes in that word, then it'll be done. And the man believed that word, went his way, and it was done for him. I want you to get in the, on the inside of your mind, because oftentimes people think, well, if Jesus would come and lay hands, if Jesus was in this room right now, oftentimes people think, if he was in this room right now, then I know I'd be healed. If Jesus was here right now, it'd be easy. Because you feel that it takes faith off of you. It doesn't take as much faith because Jesus is right there. But if you look to the word, The Word requires you to have faith, and Jesus, who is the Word, required faith. How many times did He say, How many times did He say, Your faith has made you well? Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you whole. Jesus is the Word. So, whatever the faith it would have taken for you to believe when Jesus laid hands on you is the same faith you use to believe this Word when you believe it and speak it out your mouth. It yielded the same results. When Jesus spoke to the nobleman, it yielded the same exact results as if he would have went and laid hands on him, on his son. And so you have to look to the word as being God, because the word is God. The word is God. And so, Psalm 10720, I said that. John 663. Let's go to John 6.63. I'm establishing something here first before we get into how it works. I want to establish such a a greater emphasis in the body of Christ of the word and the power of the word. 663, Jesus in the latter half of the verse says, The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. His words are spirit and they are life. John 15 verse 7, so just turn a couple pages over. 15 verse 7, Jesus said, if you abide in me, and what? My words abide in you. That sounds kind of, to me, when I read that, I would think he would say, if you abide in me and I abide in you. That's what you would think. If I abide in you, you abide in me, that would make sense. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, that is him abiding in you. He is his word. He likens himself to the word. The word says that Jesus was uh, the word made flesh in in John and earlier in John. So I really want to drive this into you that he is the word. He and the word are one. They are one in the same. See, I feel that oftentimes we can start to almost separate the word. This word right here where you come to God and you're like, God, I've been meditating on the word. God, I know, I know the scripture says this. And it's like you're making this word right here separate than the Godhead. But that's because, I feel that it's because this is natural. This is paper and ink. And so it's almost like you detach this from being God because you see paper and ink. But he says, my words aren't actually the ink that's on the paper. My words are the spirit and the life. We're going to get deep this morning. Words are the vehicle that carry the spirit. Yeah. Words house the spirit, and so where the word goes, the power goes. Where the word goes, the power flows. That's that's how it works. But oftentimes, if you look in the natural with your natural eyes, you see ink on paper and start to separate this. I mean, sometimes people get so <laughs> people get so funny about the paper and ink, the actual book itself. Have you seen? Uh, like headlines and stuff like that they're like house fire but bible didn't burn or like a car caught on fire but all that was left was this bible it didn't burn <laughs> it <laughs> that's funny to me when i see that because he's not the paper and ink he's the spirit his word is spirit god is spirit and so i i get it it's like it's not it's nice i'm sure it probably has happened whatever but <laughs> it's paper paper burns you know what i'm saying like it's it's not It's not in the paper. It's in the Spirit. And so the Word, if you look at it as these words on this paper are the vehicle at which the Spirit is getting that truth into me, that reality. He is reality. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life can be translated to Jesus is the way, the reality, and the life. He is reality. He is the truth. He is. And so... Sometimes we separate him in the word because of the natural paper and ink, but just like you can liken the words to being the vehicle, of the house, in the same way you can liken our bodies, right? Our bodies are the vehicle or the house that our spirit dwells. You're not your body. You are spirit. You are spirit. That is who you actually are. That is who you truly are. The essence of you, the main part of who you actually are is Spirit. Actually, there's a whole lot of times, if you hear different testimonies and stuff like that of people who have left their body, uh, either they died and they came back, or that's usually what it is. Uh, oftentimes they say they look back at their body and they're like, like, what is that? I've heard some stories where they didn't recognize their self, they didn't recognize their body, because you're a spirit. That's just the shell, right? It's the shell. And so that's not to... For lack of a better term, that's not to do to on the fact of your body being part of you. And oftentimes when we talk about spirit, soul, and body, body always gets kind of like left out because they liken it, people liken it to just flesh. But it's not just flesh, it says you present your body a living sacrifice. It's holy, your body's holy. It's part of the threefold. Like Godhead is three, you're three, spirit, soul, and body. And so it's part of you. And so you have rule over it. You have it's not bad in its in and of itself. The flesh or carnality is, what's, is what an issue can be. But our bodies our housing, are housing or in a vehicle of our true self, which is our spirit. And so the paper and ink is housing the essence of the word, which is the spirit in life. The word is spirit. The word is Jesus. The word is God. John 1.1. 1, 1. Let's go to John 1.1. 1, 1. John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, with he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. All things were made through Jesus because, through the, it, was because it was through the Word of God. The Word of God. God used his own faith. God used his own words to speak things into existence, and you have that same faith inside of you. So... People place emphasis on the book, but really, it's the spirit that gives life. So we established what the word is. Mm. Actually, I want to kind of get a little bit into the integrity of the word. So the integrity of the word I'm going to go to page 116 in this book. Super good, super, super good book. Page 116. All right, so this is talking about the integrity of the word, and I thought this, E.W. E. Kenyon put it so well, and I'm just going to quote him. So he says that oftentimes, since we know that the, if you know what the word says, you know that Isaiah 53, by his stripes you're healed, 1 Peter 2.24, right, Galatians 3.13, You, you okay, I got that. Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law. Jesus, you know, by his stripes I am healed. Well, if you have that on the inside of you, then the, he says here that the problem then, is the integrity of the word. People believe in the integrity of the word. And so he says this, disease has no standing with the new creation. That is his declaration. That's God's declaration. That statement is a part of himself. He is his word and he cannot lie. So if you really know him, to know him, to know his word, you know that it is part of himself. And he cannot deny himself. The integrity of the word is the integrity of God. If the word says we're a new creation and by his stripes we're healed, that's his statement of, that's the statement that's actually part of himself. When people ask in the faith camp, hey, what's your confession? Oh, what do you believe in? What's your confession? Like oftentimes you hear that, right, in this faith camp, people we know in this realm. (laughs) Well, God's word is his confession. Think about that. His word is his confession of faith. He used his faith and confessed. So if you would take your words and confess God's confession, then you'd actually have power in your confession. So there's power in those words, but it's only because the words carry the spirit of him. The words carry him. So words are carriers of his power and of his faith. Words are the vehicle that carry that spirit of faith to you. That's why faith comes by hearing. That's why his words are him. God is spirit. His words are spirit in life. I'm going to Read from one more page. Actually, I wrote it down. And then we're going to get into how it works. So Jesus' word was the Father's word. Jesus said, I only say what I hear the Father say. Right? But what made it living is that Jesus spoke it, and he lived it, and he acted on it. And that made the word living. So in your life, when you speak and act on it, it makes the word living in your life. Right? It brings it to reality in you. Right? And so... If you think, well, Jesus was here, well, Jesus would have demanded faith just like the word demands faith. I really want want you to understand that. Jesus demanded faith the same way that the word demands faith for it to work. And that's not in demanding like, it means faith is what's necessary just to receive what God has already done. It's not a striving. You're not toiling and trying, oh, if I can only get God. No, faith is opening up your heart, saying I receive what God has already done. Faith says, I believe that what he did was for me. Right. And then you receive that. It's not hard. It's, he's dealt to every man the measure of faith, God's faith. Let me put this on silent. <laughs> every measure of, uh, the measure of faith God has given to every person. He said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, the size of a mustard seed, then you'd speak, say unto this mulberry tree, be plucked up by the roots and cast into the sea.' That's all that's needed. He already gave you that measure, the measure of faith. When you got saved, right? That's the greatest miracle so far, that's the greatest miracle of all, I meant to say, um, is that you were pulled out of the kingdom of darkness, like it says in Colossians, and into the kingdom of his dear son. That's the greatest miracle, and you used your faith for that, so you have faith. You have your faith for, for healing, for prosperity, for whatever it is. So let's get, I'm excited to get into the, I wanted to set that kind of foundation to really grab a hold, get, get that on the inside of you, that the word is God. The word is God. Another quote by Kenneth Hagin. He said, <laughs> he said, basically, that he got, you know, if you eat a T-bone steak, mm-hmm. the next day you're not going to say, oh, that's okay, I already had that. He's like, no, give me a T-bone steak again. Right. Give me that word again. I'm using it again right now. I'm actually going to get, so I, I was uh, listening to a story of his the other day, which was so powerful. He was, Kenneth Hagin was ministering. And this this has to go with what I said earlier about sometimes people will take believing in healing as you know uh, actually confessing the word and actually taking the medicine. So Kenneth Hagin himself, we all everyone in here knows who Kenneth Hagin is, I'm sure. He was out preaching, he was um, ministering at these different churches, and he would write every day to his wife, and uh, his daughter Pat had got a bump, uh, uh, like a, something on the white of her eye. And so uh, a spot on the white of her eye. And she was going to school. And back then, they would do uh, checkups t- for each student when they came into the school. And so they said, Pat said, what am I going to say? Because I believe it. they She grew up hearing from her father. She grew up in the word. And she says, what am I supposed to tell the nurse? You know, She knew about the confession of your mouth. What am I supposed to tell the nurse? So... Uh, the her mom, Lynette Hagan, told Pastor Kenneth Hagan um, what she had said. Hey, I don't know, what should I tell the nurse? Kenneth Hagan is out, and he's preaching, and he decides he doesn't write his wife for three days because he says, I want to take time, and he got in the word. Now, think about this. Kenneth Hagan is preaching on faith. He's at other churches ministering on faith, and yet he decided to go home, and what he did is he would be awake for one hour, reading and confessing healing scriptures, and then he would sleep for an hour. Then he'd wake up for an hour, then he'd sleep for an hour, and he did this back and forth for three nights. Because he knew the word that I'm ministering, he said that's, he, that, that's one thing, but he knew that he needed the word for himself. He needed to eat and devour it himself. And he had been preaching and teaching. People might think, oh, but it's Kenneth Hagin. Oh, but it's that minister. Oh, but it's Copeland. Oh, but it's... They need the word like you need the word. And he decided to feed on that word, feed on that word. And then after the third day, he wrote back and said, tell Pat to uh, tell the nurse I'm healed. And before the, I think as the letter got there, before the letter even got there, it was gone. He decided that that inspired me. He decided, I know, I know on faith, I've been teaching on faith, but I still need to take. The word I still need to take the medicine of the word I still need to read it myself and eat it again yeah. amen? amen go to everyone go to mark 4 mark chapter four so here's actually the the what I'm actually going to be teaching on the subject that I'm going to be teaching on this whole month the seed of the word this is where it comes from mark chapter four so there's a couple of parables in here there's three specifically that have to do with seed and uh, Actually, Mark 26 to 29, we're going to 30 to 32, but Mark 26 to 29 is Wigglesworth's Wigglesworth's favorite passage of scripture. Is that right there? Mark 26 through 29. Right now, we are going to 30 to 32. So in this chapter of Mark, I'm going to be teaching today on 30 through 32, and then I'm going to do a little bit of 26 to 29. But for the next couple weeks, I'm going to go 13 to 25. So we're going to stay in this chapter of Mark this whole month. This is what we're going to be on. Because that's how good, that's how deep, that's how much you can get out of just these three passages in one chapter. So Mark 4, 30 through 32. You know, honestly, before I started super, super getting into this, I've been into this for a few weeks now. Before getting really, really into this, I'm going to be honest, I haven't really heard much personally Preached from this. I haven't looked super into this. I haven't read on this, and uh, I started getting so much revelation on what, on this. And I'm like, oh, I gotta teach this. I gotta I gotta teach this. Mark four thirty thirty two. So we're gonna read that. Then he said, "To what shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown on the ground is smaller than all the seeds." But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. When the seed is planted and watered, the roots will grow. This is talking about the seed of the word of God. Actually, I am going to jump up to 26 to 29 now. 26 to 29, it says, And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens immediately, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Or if you have KJV, it's the ear, the full corn in the ear. So this right here is such a powerful, there's so much in this word right here, Now, we're going to dive into that. So it says the kingdom of God is as a man should scatter seed on the ground. So back in the day, they actually would take seed and actually scatter it, throw it back back then, Jesus' time. They would take seed and they would just throw it and scatter it that way. Uh, Now it's kind of more so you have machines and they have specific holes they put in each one and all this. But the reason I say that, is we're not going to get into this passage tonight, but you know how it talks about good soil, 13 to 25, the four, the four different types of soil. The reason he says that some falls on the wayside, some falls here, some goes into the door, is because they would literally throw it, scatter it with the wind, and let it, let it be planted that way, which would cause uh, some to fall on this type of ground, this type of ground, this type of ground. That's how he gets actually that passage of Scripture. But it says he scatters the seed on the ground, and for you that would be, taking the word, putting it in your heart. And he should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He doesn't know how. When the seed is planted in water, that's the word of God. The word of God is seed. Within that seed is everything that you could possibly need. But I want you to really think about seed. So a seed has all the potential inside of it. A seed on its own... You don't see any growth. You don't see anything happening. But all the potential is in that seed until you plant it and you water it. So once rooted, you will see that the fruit will just automatically come. Once you plant a seed, it's natural for that seed to grow and for fruit to come as you water that seed. You are to be fruitful. You are to have fruit from the Word of God naturally as you plant it in your heart. You don't hear an apple tree or a fig tree or any tree. You don't walk by it and it's like, uh," groaning and like really, really trying. uh," And then it gives you an apple. (laughs) No, it's natural. I want you to take worries. I want you to take stress and thoughts of trying to make something happen, trying to get the word of God to work. You don't have to make the word of God work. The Word of God has the power within it. The Word of God is the power. You don't have to make it work. You just plant it in your heart. You keep planting that Word in your heart. This Bible right here, this Word, is a bag of seeds. This is a bag of seeds. And you choose the seeds, whatever seeds, whatever scriptures, depending on what you need. If you want apples, you're going to plant apple seeds. So if you need prosperity... Don't be in the book of Revelation. You need healing, right? Don't, why would you? <laughs> Get the seeds of the word on whatever subject it is that you need so that you can bear fruit of that subject. Amen. It says that spirit is born of spirit, right? It says in Genesis, when everything was created, he said it will of itself, it will make more of itself. It will multiply Whatever kind it is, it will make more of that kind. So if you plant prosperity seeds in your heart, you will, not maybe, not might, have to, it will produce prosperity in your life. You plant those seeds of healing, it has to. It will produce healing in your life. But oftentimes, people are expecting a harvest on seeds they have not planted, and that's the issue. What happens when you want a heart? What happens when you want apples, but you have not planted seeds? You have to go to someone else who has a harvest and take from their apples. And that is not wrong in and of itself. Children are meant to be out there toiling the ground, you know, putting in work. They're, they're kids. So they're going to come and they're going to just pick apples. They're going to come and get fruit. As a babe in Christ... Babies in Christ have to go to other people and get fruit. They haven't planted yet. They haven't learned yet. They haven't gotten that word on the inside of them yet. It's fine. But there comes a point where you have to mature and plant your own seeds in your word. I mean, in your heart. There has to come a point where you plant that word in your own heart so you have your own harvest continually. You have your own revelation. You have your own, this is mine. Ownership. This scripture is mine. It belongs to me. And you start producing fruit. But until you plant the seeds, you cannot expect that harvest. Also, don't stress yourself out. Don't work yourself up planting one day and thinking the next day there's the harvest. It says he sleeps by night. And talking about the farmer, he sleeps by night and rises by day. And he does not know how it works. You don't have to figure out how that word is working. How do you take word, mix it with faith, and it produces things from the spirit into the natural? We don't know. But what you need to know is the principle. That's all it takes. You just need to work that principle. Just work that principle, and it'll work for you. But you don't have to figure out how it's going to happen. Actually, you shouldn't. <laughs> You're probably not going to figure out how it's happened. How it happens. So that word, if you plant that word in your heart, it absolutely has to bring a harvest. It absolutely has to. You'll produce great fruit, but the seed has to be planted and it has to be watered. This is a T.L. Osborne in his book, uh, Healing the Sick. Yes, that book. He said, talking about the seed of the word, he said, a farmer does not plant a seed and then every day dig it up to see if it's working. What is... How do we do that? How do we dig up seed to see if it's working? It's by checking your senses, checking the physical realm to see if it's there yet. Is it there yet? It's quoting the word and then looking at your pocketbook for your pocketbook to tell you that you have money. It's quoting the healing scriptures and then looking to your body to see if it's, if it's working. See if it's working. See, that's not faith. Faith says, like in Mark chapter 11, I believe, in verse 24, I believe I have received. Yeah. And therefore, I shall have it. Yes. So, the word of God—you have to put, mix your faith with it for it to produce. Amen. Amen. And so, uh, that fruit will automatically come if you don't keep digging it up. Right. You can't keep digging up the seed to see if it's working. That it's not going to grow. <laughs> Sleep by night. Faith is a rest. Right. It says that in Hebrews. Faith is a rest. Faith is not a toiling, and it's not a struggling. I want to say this. This helped me. Oh, this absolutely helped me. Because <laughs> I've, I've heard this. And you may I'm sure you've heard it too. Because I've heard it a lot in this faith camp. Uh, faith moves God. Faith moves God. Tears don't move God. Crying doesn't move God. Faith moves God. God moved 2,000 years ago. He had Jesus die on the cross, not only for your sins and your sickness, but also for poverty. Everything that you could possibly need, everything pertaining to life and godliness, he has already given and deposited into your spirit. So everything you need has already been given by grace. When you were saved, it was by grace through faith. It is a balance of grace and faith, and you have to understand that to not stress yourself out. Kenneth Hagin talked about the road, right, that you want to stay on the road, that you don't want to get in this ditch or in that ditch, meaning this extreme or that extreme. You see people in extreme grace. And in this camp, the people in the faith camp, all these different sects and all these different, will say greasy grace, greasy grace sometimes. Not everyone, sometimes some people can say that. Whether anything has to do with grace, they're like, oh, and oftentimes they'll put everything on them. It's what I do. It's me working. It's me quoting. It's me doing this. It's my faith doing this. And they put everything on them. Then you have in the grace camp where you can get sometimes an overly sovereignty of God message. Everything's on God. If God wanted me healed, he'd give me the faith for the healing and then I'd have it. So I'm just wait. wait those who wait upon the Lord and they take that as and I'm waiting for God to do something, right? Both of those are extremes. The Bible says when you were saved, it was by grace through faith. By grace through faith. What does that mean? Grace is giving you something that you couldn't earn, you couldn't deserve, you couldn't work for. It's grace. It's a gift. Grace is God did it. Faith is how you appropriate what God has done. Faith is how you reach out and grab what God is giving. Grace gives, faith receives. It is a balance. It is a balance of grace and faith. And without that understanding... You're either going to be waiting forever for God to do something he's already given you, or you're going to be trying and trying and toiling and trying to get something to happen in your own strength. And both of those are are wrong. You have to be balanced in grace and faith. Amen? So faith reaches out and says, I receive what God has already done. Grace, I mean, if you think your works, your toiling is going to get God to do something, by my faith it's going to make God move on my behalf. Then how do you explain how you got saved if he did that 2,000 years ago? There's nothing you could have done. You weren't born yet. There's nothing you could have done in your own works to make right. him do that. Right. He did it by grace because he loved you. Yeah. But then your faith reaches out. You can't just leave it on that either. Can't leave just grace. Can't leave it on just faith. You can't leave it on just, well, God already did it. Faith says, well, I take it as mine. I believe him. I take him at his word. I believe that word for me personally, and it makes it a reality in your life. Right. Amen. All of this, just like seed, because the word is seed, it says it, there's so much potential. You have you potentially have prosperity, potentially, I feel it's, it's potentially until you make it a reality in your life. Amen. So all the potential is in that seed. All the potential is on, the, on that seed. And you, you want to be planting those seeds so that you don't have to be reliant on other people's crops. If you need help, if you need someone to agree with you, okay but there comes a point where you need to be making sure that you're planting so you can get a harvest. You want a harvest. You want to walk in that fruit, have that fruit for yourself continually, right? Amen. Amen. That's good. (laughs) So now this this is something I personally have been thinking about. So it doesn't say in that passage. So I'm just telling you this is what I think. This is what I got revelation on myself. The Holy Ghost is likened to water, the living water. I believe that as you plant that word, as you spend time, as you pray in the Holy Ghost, you're watering because the Holy Ghost brings revelation upon the word. Mm -hmm. Revelation is what fuels your faith. There's a quote by uh, Hankins, Hankins, Pastor Mark Hankins, it says, uh, revelation knowledge fuels your faith. Something like that. (laughs) You can only have faith for what you know. You can only have faith for what you believe. And how do you get that? You can read and read and read, but without it meaning anything to you, revelation is revealing. Revelation means to reveal. It's been opened. You ever read something? You go, oh, that's what that means. I've read that seven times, but on the eighth time, it opened up. And you're like, that's what that means. That's that revelation that the Holy Ghost brings. I believe that you water that word by praying in the Holy Ghost. As you pray in the Holy Ghost, he starts to reveal scripture to you. Sure. Yeah. But how can he reveal scripture to you that you haven't been putting in there? Right. You can water a ground all day with no seed in it. Right. And how you get revelation from that? Mm-hmm. There has to be a balance. Yeah. Word and spirit, that is the balance. Grace and faith, that is the balance. Amen. There is a balance, amen? Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, amen. <laughs> seed grows naturally. This takes a lot. You take that stress off you. Seeds grow naturally if you water it. You're not trying to make it happen. Do Yes, you act on the word. Faith without works is dead. But what is the works? You actually putting that word inside of you, speaking it out your mouth, watering it. That is the works. It's not you stressing, trying to figure out how you're going to get money, how you're going to get healing. You just plant those seeds and it'll grow naturally. You wouldn't you know, beg and groan all night for fruit if you uh, haven't planted anything. It's like, It's like a woman, right? we're all adults here, a woman cannot bear a child without seed. Right. She can moan and cry, and she can say, I want a child, I want a child, I want a child. But if you don't have no relationship with a man, right? Yeah. If you're not married, amen. <laughs> if there's no seed, there's no child. Right. But I want to say this, everything in a, in a woman's womb is uh, perfect for bearing children. All it takes is that seed, that one seed. All it takes is that seed. And all the nutrients, everything that you need to have a baby is already there. So soil, if it's good ground, it has nutrients, has things you need. If you try to plant in um, dry, like a desert, try to plant in sand, it's not going to work. Try to plant in a ground that all the nutrients have already been sucked out of it, it's not going to work. It won't, it won't produce. The soil matters. Now that soil of your heart matters. Now I want to get into this. Uh, verse 28. It says, For the earth yields crops by itself. When I read that, I had, I had revelation on that. And I thought, wow. You know what? The earth yields crops by itself once, once the seed's planted in there. Mm-hmm. Did you know, it? you remember in Genesis, it says that you were made out of the dust of the earth. Yeah. You were made out of ground. You were made out of soil. Yeah. The earth, the soil, when you take that word and you plant it on the inside of you, your physical body will produce those results, that fruit, that healing, or if it's prosperity, whatever it is that you need, plant those seeds and you'll have that fruit, amen? So, uh, that you know, the Bible's a book of seeds. It's a book of seeds. So you're gonna sow into your heart. We're gonna go to, oh, we already read that. So sleeping and rising, that's verse 27. He should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow, and he himself does not know how. So sleeping and, and, and rising, this is showing you time. Time. Allowing the word to get in there and meditate on that word. Allow that word to get, I mean, get deep in it. Start looking into, look into the deeper meaning of it. Pray in the Holy Ghost and let it, let it start growing and growing on the inside of you until it produces those results. So, it says he doesn't know how, so don't try to figure it out. Don't stress about it. Verse 29, oh, we went over that. We went over that. So, I want to point out another example of that. The Virgin Mary. Mm -hmm. It says that the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. The Holy Spirit planted the seed of the Word. The Holy Ghost planted the seed of the Word of God inside Mary, and it produced word. Whatever you plant, you produce. Him knowing this, Jesus is the word made flesh, took the word and planted it inside Mary. That's so cool. (laughs) That's so cool. The power that is in that word and it'll produce whatever seed you put in. And so I want to really encourage you this morning, take those seeds and start putting them in your heart more than you have before. Start watering those things that that you've heard water that. Water that. Keep putting that seed in. Keep putting that seed in. Keep going over them scriptures. Not out of works. Not out of you saying, well, God, I said seven scriptures. That's not the point. (laughs) That's not the point. Nothing in there says that. And then you go to God and tell him how much you've done. No, no. It's that you allow that word to work in you. And it will produce the fruit itself. The earth produces fruit by itself. So it'll produce after its own kind. So like I said, if you want to be healthy, don't be in Revelation. Get scriptures actually on that subject that you need. So steps to the full harvest, you know how the Bible talks about 30, 60, and 100 fold. Well, it talks about the blade, the head, and then the full grain in the head. Like uh, Annie also said last night to um, celebrate those victories. When there's a blade, don't stop there. Don't stop at the blade. Don't stop at the head. When it's fully ripened, that harvest is there. He, He... Pastor Darrell got up last night and said something about it, actually. Um, he said, another minister, he was talking about another minister, said uh, that, or not last night, sorry, Friday night, <laughs> said, uh, don't, don't stop at the, the, when it starts sprouting, don't leave and say, oh, well, I didn't get it. Oh, I guess I don't have it. And then what happens then? Unbelief comes in. And then you can't get your harvest on that, on unbelief, right? We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church.